Hey, remember us? This is the Sports Source Podcast. It's been uh, about approximately five years since we did our last <laughs> episode. So, uh, in case you forgot, this voice you're hearing is uh, that of John Williams. The other end of the chat, the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Sanchez. <laughs> Josh, how are you, man? I'm doing good, John. I've been uh, I've been busy. I've been running around a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I can't wait to be finished journalism because I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of doing a paper a week and in the and, and interviewing people. I rather have a radio show and start and start uh, having uh, swoop radio back on on the radio show. But obviously uh, the internship's done, so I'm I'm gonna have more time. I'm gonna be on campus more. I have class Monday through Friday now. So if you ever want to record, just let me know. Yeah, man. It's going to be an interesting semester. My final semester at Cabrini, I got a only class. I got class two days a week, but I got between my internship and everything else, I'm kind of running around. And then, yeah. as I was telling Josh before we started recording, I'm kind of stranded in New Jersey right now. So uh, my freaking car decided to be a butt uh, is in the shop. So uh you know people always say podcasters record from their parents basement but in this case i'm recording from my mom's car so <laughs> there um but yeah so uh you know life is uh life is interesting and so was the super bowl yesterday 13 to 3 the final score the patriots winning their six with brady and belichick at the helm second straight year the patriots have won me a lot of money in the super bowl last year bound the eagles so I'd like to thank uh, Robert Kraft and his organization for making me a wealthier man. (laughs) Still very poor, but, you know, all things considering. So, Josh, what is your big takeaway from the Super Bowl? Uh, My biggest takeaway, obviously, um, New England, what this means for Brady, winning his sixth Super Bowl title. He's now right up there with MJ. Sports number six has always been like an iconic number to reach in sports and Brady and has now reached the Jordan physique in terms of rings. They each have six now. Obviously Brady's been the more, but Jordan and Jordan's also won super more Super Bowl MV or not Super Bowl MVPs, but NBA finals MVPs. So because obviously Julian Edelman was the star of the night. He had 10 catches for 141 yards. Brady and Jared Goff were garbage in this game. They were both awful. Oh and, they were terrible. And while you made a lot of money I lost money. Not not I I bet the Patriots and I bet that the Patriots were gonna end the game with the ball. But I was really liking the score. I was thinking the teams were both gonna put up over twenty each. So I I, I picked the over in that game. Oh no. And that really and that hurt me. Cause the whole time like the Patriots ended the game with the ball. They took the final knee. They won I knew the Patriots were gonna win by more than two and a half points. Like that that spread was so easy for me to take. Oh, yeah, no, I t- that's what I took. But it came down to the score for me. And and the the biggest takeaway, obviously, besides Tom Brady's winning his sixth ring, was the defenses. The defenses really stood up and really played a great game. But I think it's more of a product of bad offense because Jared Goff missed a couple guys wide open. To, I, I Like, one thing I love about the game was Tony Romo's commentary. Tony Romo. Oh, he was great. Yeah, Tony Romo is turning into probably like the number one broadcaster right now in football. He literally like there was like a whole interesting thing on him about how he correct he correctly predicted eleven. He went eleven for eleven on the on the plays that he predicted in the fourth quarter of the of the Chiefs Patriots game. He he knows the game so well. 
and he makes the game more entertaining. But in ter- other than that, like the halftime show sucked. I mean, Travis, I like Travis Scott. Like I, I was screaming over SpongeBob, but I wasn't really psyched on Maroon <laughs> Five. Him and his California tattoo gotta go. He had a California. He literally in the middle of his belly has a tattoo saying California. Like get out of here, Maroon Five. Like that, that was. I was like, come on. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Um, I actually, I actually showered during the halftime show because, like, I have no interest. Uh, I knew they were gonna screw up the SpongeBob thing. Not surprised about that. <laughs> I haven't. I couldn't tell you. I could tell you about eighty-seven thousand artists I'd rather hear perform than Big Boy. Like, who the hell is Big Boy? Uh, like, tell him to get on. Tell him to get on Nutrisystem or something. Like, uh, gross. Get out of here. I, I, don't, I, um, I, I, I don't know. Big Boy's kind of a legend. Uh, well, you know, I don't care. The Foo Fighters should have performed at the halftime show instead of uh, Super Saturday. And uh, that's my uh, salty rant about that. <laughs> so in protest of the Foo Fighters, I decided not to watch Maroon 5. I will say this, though. I didn't watch it. I'm not going to watch the replay of it. But Maroon 5 is a better group than some of the performing acts they've had in the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah Maroon's- I'll say that. Maroon 5 has gotten, like, they sold out. Like, it's no questions asked. But, like, their earlier stuff wasn't bad. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, I digress. So, you said something that I want to, I, listen, Julie Edelman had a, definitely a great game. I wouldn't have given him the MVP. I think you give the MVP to, I think there's four people you could have given it to. Um, over, I'll say three. I think that you could have given it to Sonny Michelle. Because after all, he's the guy who scored the touchdown. The only touchdown of the game. So I think you could have given it to him. You're going to have to remind me what the defensive lineman's name is. Uh, Van something? Uh, oh, 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 Van Boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a monster all night. He was uh, he pressured Goff all night long. Gilmore had the big pick, so he could be a guy. Um. I mean, I, I get why they did it. Like ten receptions, like you said. Like uh, he had a great game, but I think the MVP should go to the guy who made the game-breaking play. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Now, this is something that surfaced online after the game, and Adam Schefter, I think, is the one that started it. He's saying Julian Edelman is like forming a case to be a Hall of Famer. In what freaking world is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? He's a very good receiver. Don't get me wrong. And I think a lot of him being good is just a direct correlation with Tom Brady being his quarterback. I, he has two 1,000-yard seasons in nine years, and he's a Hall of Famer? Please. All right, now the one thing I will say that's very interesting with Julian Edelman is – in all the Super Bowls that he's won with Brady, he, he's won three Super Bowls with Brady. He has made the key plays in each of those Super Bowls. He's been like Brady's like like go to receiver in those in those moments. In Seattle, he had to go ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter to to give the Patriots the lead. Yeah, I know. Like that Super Bowl came down to stupid Pete Carroll not running the ball at Marshawn Lynch. But you got to give Julian Edelman his props in the game against the number one defense. He got open and he scored the go-ahead touchdown. And, yeah, oh, listen. And, 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 and my, my fault against the Falcons, he had he had a lot of key receptions when the Pagers were doing that comeback. 
in in uh, when Brady won his fifth ring. And then obviously we know, like even last year, Edelman did what? Not not Edelman. Edelman did Edelman play last year? I don't know if he did. No, he was. Yeah, hurt. he was hurt last year. Edelman did not play last year, and that impact really hurt affected their team. But then this year he had a ten catches for 147, 41 yards. Like he. He has been like a key component during this like the during like the Patriots past three Super Bowl victories. Now now and, and and I know like in terms of receiving yards, he's not really good with receiving yards, but he's really good with catches. Like he gets a lot of receptions every year. I think he only has like one 100-yard uh, 100 100 reception season in his career. Yeah, but even so, like, yeah, but even with that though, like he's won three rings, he's been a key component in all those rings. I mean, like, I wouldn't say, like, he's, like, a first ballot class Hall of Famer, but he could, like, sneak in, like, in his, like, last, last ballot, ballot of eligibility. The way I think about it is, and this is a different sport comparison, but the Philly fans that are listening to this might understand. Danny Briere was <laughs> – he was a guy for the Flyers and the Buffalo Sabres before them who was a pretty much a point-per-game player in the playoffs. He showed up in the big game. But at the end of the day, you if you ask anybody, is Danny Briere a Hall of Famer? They're gonna smack you across the face for even asking the question. <laughs> that's where that's where I'm at with Julian Edelman. He's a great playoff performer, and listen, if I'm in the playoff hunt, I want him on my team. But I'm not gonna sit here and say he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying you are, but you know, Adam Schefter, like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> Like you're just thirsty for some likes and retweets. Like <laughs> that's that's the only reason you would do that. Yeah. I, I don't know. But it was a very uh, boring game. <laughs> it was, it was the low. It was the lowest rated Super Bowl I think at least in the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, the Rams have like six fans, and two of them are drunk <laughs> by noon. So. <laughs> Yeah, their fan base is awful. Like I, I talked about how the lack of just the rant, like LA support. Like why do, you, why does LA deserve two football teams? They don't. So I'm but saying, you know like, what? Why, why do that? Why go to LA? I they should have moved. Like one team, you can move to LA. That's fine. Yeah, but not two. But there's no reason to move two. Yeah, the, there, their there's fan absolutely base is no not reason. That loyal. It's a like listen. It's a basketball city. It's a baseball city. They don't give a flying rat's butt about the NFL there. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. They just yeah. don't. And like, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, why move the team there? The funny thing I saw, um, I think it was a Sports Illustrated media column about the Super Bowl yesterday. Um, there's this one station. I guess whatever the big sports station is in St. Louis, that during the Super Bowl they played a replay of the uh, clinching game of the Cardinals against the uh, Texas Rangers World Series mm-hmm. from uh, 2011 during the Super Bowl. So that was very interesting. I like, I, I, that. I, I like that. Because I, cause I feel like definitely people from St. Louis would have definitely shown up because they love their Rams. Yeah. So transitioning a bit. Uh, actually, before we do that, I just want to say this. I am so happy that pretty boy Sean McVay lost. Ha! <laughs> ha! Man, like, it's so stupid. Like, oh, my God. Cliff Kingsbury got a job because he was at a party with Sean McVay. My ass. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, like, and that's another thing. Like, I mean, as an Eagles fan, like, Sean McVay won Coach of the Year over Doug Peterson last year. And, and, which and, was a joke. Yeah, and that was a complete joke. Doug Peterson literally put up 42 points against Bill Belichick's scheme in his defense, or 41 points, I'm sorry. Should have been 42 if Jake Elliott can kick the damn ball. But <laughs> but um, then we saw Sean McVay go up against the same Bill Belichick defensive scheme, and they only put up three points, and they looked awful. Like, Gurley had 11 touches. He was awful. He had 32 yards, but, but like, half of his yards came on one carry. Other than the 16-yard run, he had nine – he had 10 carries for 16 yards the rest of the game. Jared, yeah. Jared Goff was garbage. He he was so bad. Like, and, and I have had all this talks with him, like, like, about him, like, oh, he's the number one overall pick. He was picked over Wentz. Like, that Super Bowl game showed – in big games, Jared Goff will not show up. Because if you recall, earlier in this season, the Rams really needed Goff to show up against – they really needed Goff to show up against the Bears, and they, and they only put up six points. And then that following week, Philly goes into L.A. and defeats them. Like, back-to-back weeks in big games, big primetime NBC games, Goff does not show up. And the only big game that he did show up against – was the Chiefs game, but granted, they're versing the 32nd-ranked pass yeah. defense in the NFL, so that doesn't really count. Yeah. Like, I, me and you could put up, like, at least... At least, like, a, 15. Oh, at least a field goal. Yeah, at least a field goal, too, <laughs> on them. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, nah, like, Sean McVay, like, get the hell out of here. Uh, you know, we talk about... Everybody's talking about, oh, Sean McVay, we need to find the next Sean McVay. He hasn't won crap in this league. Doug Peterson, listen, if Doug Peterson wasn't ugly, everybody would be looking for the next Doug Peterson. <laughs> and you know what? Somebody did. And he's probably should have – was Frank Reich coach of the year? Who won? Because he, he should have definitely been in the conversation. Oh, oh I, I forget. Honestly, I didn't even look at the awards because they announced the awards ahead of time. I know Mahomes was MVP. And, and offensive player yeah, of the and year. offensive player of the year. I know Saquon was rookie of the year. I know Aaron Donald was defensive player of the year. He had a good game, by the way, in the Super Bowl. He, he did. He played really well. Like, everyone on that defense for the Rams played really well. You hold Tom Brady to just 13 points, you're you're winning the game nine times out of ten. No, exactly. Um, so, now we could transition yeah. to the Eagles. Um so, I don't know if you saw, but Carson Wentz uh, was uh, featured in an article today talking about how um, basically he needs to do better um, with, you know, he had a tough year, all that kind of stuff. And, like, the report that came out after they were eliminated about him uh, being selfish and whatnot. And he said it's something he needs to work on. I don't know about you, man. I love him saying that. Like, that's a guy who gives a damn. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and 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 I like that he did say that because I mean, I mean, I've always, I've never questioned Carson Wentz's character during his whole time with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just feel like he's just been put in a very tough spot. Like you get hurt, you're literally having an MVP season, and then the backup goes on to win a Super Bowl. Then you're having another great season where your touchdown to interception ratio is three to one. And you're literally only losing games by like a field goal or not, or, or, or like by like seven points or fewer every week. And then the backup comes again and wins four straight and almost wins a fifth straight if Alshon Jeffrey catches the ball. But he's put in a very t- tough spot, but he's held it, he's held it, he's, he's like embraced it very well. 
and he's been mature about it. And I feel like this offseason, he's going to let his back heal. He needs to let his back heal. He needs to be patient. And he should, he should be good by April. He's going to have a full offseason under his belt. He's going to work with Alshon Jeffrey. He's going to work with Zach Ertz. He's going to work with all these receivers. And we're going to see a newly – we're going to see a way different Carson Wentz than we have seen from last year. I think he's going to come back to his MVP form and become comeback player of the year next year. That's what I honestly think about Wentz next year. There's definitely a realm of possibility there. I mean, listen, he, like you said, was the MVP front runner until he got hurt two years ago. Like, and he's like turning what, 25, like around that age? Yeah, he's 26. He's 26? Yeah, he's like hitting his prime years, like just about. Like, the next few years will be his prime years. Like, he is going to be fine. The Eagles are going to be fine with Carson Wentz, and they'd be foolish to keep Foles over Wentz, which is my next question for you. So they picked up the option, right? Yeah. A one-year, $20 million option. They're trading him. Yeah, they have yes. to be trading him, right? Yes, we're, go- so yeah, we're going to trade him. I think the best fit for him is with the Jaguars. Do you think that's a good fit with him? Do you think there's any better fits? And what do you think the Eagles should get in a deal with him? Um, honestly, like I can see the Eagles trading, but I just, I, I just don't know who, like, I, again, like I think the Jaguars are a good fit. The Broncos are always in the mix because the Broncos have a very good solid defense. You put in Nick Foles, a, a better, an upgrade compared to Case Keenum. Um, I know there's talks about him going to the Giants, but I don't see the Eagles trading him to the Giants. That would just be a dumb situation. Um, and I'll trade him to the Giants if I get a second round pick. That's going to be the 35th pick of the draft. So like, yeah, fine. yeah, I mean, I mean, I can see that, but like, then you're just giving the Giants like a quarter, like an like a very good solid quarterback to go along with Barkley and Odell. Like, uh, but is Foles going to put them over the top? I don't think he would. I mean, that offensive line is garbage. That defense, garbage. All they really have is Odell and Saquon. Like, I I think Foles makes them better, but I think they're still the third best team in the division. Yeah, and plus, yeah. it's back to that thing with, you know, they have Eli still. So maybe there's a controversy there. I I think if, if the Giants offer them a second-round pick, I think they're morons because you need to use that high pick and you got to yeah. get young players in there for the rebuild. But who knows? But, but but yeah, um, I mean, I mean, you can go that direction. Um, I know, isn't there a way the Eagles can get, like, a third-round pick? Like, if we pick up his option yeah, and a, let him walk? Yes. Yeah, yeah, because so, I, I think I, I honestly think John that that's going to be the more like realistic um, option. I think I like the, uh, that's going to be like the more realistic thing that's going to happen. Like we're going to pick up his option, and then we're going to just let him walk because of what he's done with, for all of us. He's won us a Super Bowl, and we're also going to get a third round pick if we do let him walk. And and I mean trading him could be like I, I would like if we find a trade for him. Like if we trade. The Jaguars, one of their like good corners or one of their great corners, like Jalen Ramsey for Nick Foles, I would take that in a heartbeat. I would love that. They would never do yeah, that. Yeah, but but on, I know, I'm, but 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 me being realistic and me being like, like just like observing the game and stuff, I I just feel like the Eagles were we we already picked up his option. We're just gonna let him walk. He's done so much for our city, and we're gonna get that third round pick, and we can use that third round pick. For for a running back or for another position that we really need because our offseason questions is what are we going to do with Jason Peters? Brandon Graham is is leaving in the end spot. Like I I know that 
he said that he he'll take a pay cut, but I know Brandon Graham's going to test free agency a little bit. He's going to get his money. Yeah, Somebody's yeah. going to pay him a lot of money. Yeah. So like, what are we going to do with Chris Long? What are we going to What are we going to do with Darren Sproles? Are we going to give them veteran minimums minimums contracts again, or are they going to walk? Like, we have a lot of this off season is very big, and we have other questions to worry about other than Nick Foles. And I think we should just let. Like, I mean, it will be cool to trade Nick Foles, but we just have other priorities. Like, we need to solidify that running back position because it really hurt us this year. It did. I mean, I mean, I mean, Josh Adams was a good, solid running back, but we noticed, like, without a Jahi, we, we really lost that run aspect of our game, and that affects our OP, RPOs. That affects everything. If you're not running the ball, your RPO, the team's going to think, oh, they're just going to pass it every time. And we saw that, like – we saw that numerous times, like teams would just play to pass because our run game was so bad. Whereas, yeah. whereas last year we were running the ball effectively. Like if you watch that, the Super Bowl highlights of last year, Blunt had a touchdown. Corey Clement was running the ball well. Like th- that, that was just, that was the story of our whole season. We were one of the best running attacks. We had one of the best rushing attacks in in the game, and then Wentz was spectacular because we were able to run the ball. And then you you can't you you can't play the run like if you can't stop the run you can't stop the pass so we need to get back we need to get back to that style and I think we, we I think we definitely need to move on with Jason Peters as well he needs he he's a Hall of Famer he needs to retire he can't you know he can't play another full season I think he's gonna retire because like what was it it was like he was out like he'd make he'd be in for a play and be out for a play yeah like, yeah that, 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 that was the story with him all season. But like, but yeah, like one thing that's very interesting though is I think our corners during this four-game run, like Wade LeBlanc and all of them, like they really stepped up and played a really good job. They held that they held the Saints to twenty points, and they're on the field all, all the whole game. So you got yeah, like like it's good. There's a lot of questions with this team this off season. I I I, I think this off season off season is the equivalent to. The offseason where we went seven and nine, Carson Wentz his rookie year. We had a big offseason that year to do. We ended up getting Alshon Jeffrey. We ended up getting a couple linemen that added depth to Garrett Blunt. Yeah, we ended up getting LeGarrette Blunt. Like that's what I think this offseason reminds me of. It's like it's like the 2016, 2017 offseason before the season started. Like around that time period when we went seven and nine. We just have a lot of questions when it comes to that. But we just gotta wait and see what happens. But I, I, but back to the main point. Like, I mean, I, I could see Nick Foles being traded, but I think he's gonna walk. We're gonna let him walk. Yeah, I think that. I mean, at the very least, teams know. Like, all right, well, we, they're probably gonna let him walk, so we're not gonna really give yeah. him that much, unless there seems to be a like a couple teams, multiple teams trying to get Nick Foles. Yeah. Then they might be like, okay, maybe we do have to move something. Um, in order to get him. So that's going to be something to monitor. Um, you mentioned the running back situation. And I thought, I was thinking about this the other day. And, like, it kind of makes sense to me. A good comparison for Wendell Smallwood, he's the TJ McConnell of the Eagles. Yeah. A guy yeah. who's told he's too small and he's not good enough. And he always seems to find his way to having a big role. Yeah, I can see that. So, I don't know. I don't know what. The future is going to be with him. Anything else on the Eagles before we move on? Um, I mean, that's pretty much it with the Eagles. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, watching the Super Bowl, I felt like – I really felt like if Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball, we're getting seven, and I definitely like our chances in L.A. 
Yeah, I think the Eagles – if the Eagles won the game against the Saints, they were winning the Super Bowl again. That's honestly – Which is crazy. Yes, that's honestly like, – like watching the Super Bowl, like I'm like, we stand we stand up very well against these guys. Like I was watching the Rams and the Saints championship game. I'm like – I'm like – I'm, I'm like, like we played the Saints so much better. I mean, obviously the Rams won the game, but the Rams should have lost the game. You know, I, I'm starting to get like a little annoyed by that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. True I'm, I'm, Brees I'm, had the ball in overtime. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Like, trust me, like, I know, bro. I know. Like, oh. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, saying anything like to you or anything. I'm just saying like the whole Saints and like all the Saints fans protesting. Like, you guys had the ball in overtime. Oh, I know, I know they did. And you drew. <laughs> Yeah, and they screwed it up. And, and and trust me, I think Sean Payton is one of the biggest douchebags in all of football. And honestly, when that play happened, I was happy. I was like, "Yeah, you got what you deserve." <laughs> all those times, all those times, he sits up here and smack talks and talks so much crap about the other teams. About time, Karma got it, got his ass. Like about time. But like, yeah. But like, I, I'm like, I, I, and I'm like. Saints fans really can't complain because they still had a chance to stop the Rams. They still had a chance to stop them with one minute left. And they still had a chance to win the game in overtime, but Drew Brees threw a pick. So, like, they get, they had not one – and they had a chance to stop the Rams from kicking the game-winning field goal. So not only did you have, like, just besides, like, that one penalty, like that one missed penalty, but you had three chances to close out the game and you didn't get the job done. So that's how I feel about that topic, but I will say that that call did make did impact the game in some in some shape or way. It did, but I mean, Saints fans shouldn't complain though because they still had other opportunities to win. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, good synopsis of that situation right there. But yeah, what so, do you, yeah, what do you want to transition into? So during the Super Bowl, uh, one Bryce Harper sent out a cryptic tweet. <laughs> Saying loading. Yes, that, that. I know. I saw that on Twitter. I am so sick of this <laughs> bullshit <laughs> with Harper Machado. Just sign somewhere, damn it! Like MLB.com did a uh, if like all the free agents left like were on a team like they made a twenty-five man roster out of the remaining free agents. Dude, that team wouldn't probably make the playoffs. <laughs> like, there are some good damn t- players out there, and they're being screwed over. Pitchers and catchers report a week from today. I know. I know. It, it is It is so bad. Like, it just – that. like, the, ML, the MLB needs to make a lot of changes. They do. I, I mean, it, it, it like, like, I know the lockout's coming up soon. Yeah, there's going to be a work stoppage. Yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be a huge lockout because, one, teams have no salary cap. So like that, like that's a problem right there. If if I think like I mean, I I, I like it when the league has salary caps because like it limits, I like it too because it limits what a team can do and it gives small markets a chance to win. Like like yeah. it's just like the same like big markets like you see like New York Yankees always get get people the LA Dodgers always get people. I'm like, didn't they just sign Kershaw to like a four hundred million dollar contract and then they sign and then they sign someone else to a two hundred million dollar contract? I'm like. That's six hundred million dollars right there, like God, like God dang, like like six hundred dollars, six hundred million dollars between two people, like like you get like you get my point, like that that needs to change. Another thing is like these players and this off season, they just need to make decisions quicker, like like they like literally the MLB all the, the playoffs ended in October, so you had you had November, you had December in the winter meetings, you had January, 
Like, you had, like, three and a half months to make your decision. And the Nationals were out in, yeah. at the end of September. September, yeah. they, they had October, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, in the Nationals, yeah, they, they choke every year. So, it's like, 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 he had so much time. Like, Machado, he had, I mean, he had the World Series, but he had a lot of time, too. Like, you see other sports, like players, they make up their minds quicker. And the MLB needs to do a better job with that. Now, that reminds me of another thing I wanted to talk about. Because, obviously, we know, with like, the MLB lockout coming up. And they want to do changes with like speeding the game and stuff like that, but I think that's that's just what that's what makes baseball baseball. But I know there's stories about like now, like fathers when they bring their kids to games now, the kids are on the iPad and they're well, that's their own fault. Don't bring the I damn know. iPad with you. I know. Be a parent. I know, but that Jesus. But but yeah, like that's that's like reflecting on like the modern day kid now. Everyone is on cell phones or on technology when they should be enjoying the game. Listen, baseball is a thinking man sport, and nobody wants to use their damn brains in that anymore in 2019. You're right. So that is uh, where we're at with baseball. I don't want to see this pitch clock. Like, yeah. I'm more open to it than I was before, but and you know, ideally, they don't want it. I'm telling you, man. In the next 30 years, umpires are going to be extinct. It's going to be all automated. Like, I hate it. I think imperfection is what makes baseball a great sport. I really do. Yeah, and, and, and another and another thing with like baseball and like that stuff is it's become so analytical that it's like not fun to watch anymore. Like it's it's like Exactly. It's like every, everyone's trying to go for home runs and bombs instead of putting the ball in play and and like I, I get it though. The long ball is awesome to watch. And if you have someone that can hit forty home runs a year, like that is amazing. But it's becoming so analytical that they're missing out on all these great players. It's like, like, like back like, in like, the day, yeah, yeah, like, my, my fault. Like, like, for example, like Jose Altuve, like that's not analytics right there. He's five, yeah. six analytics would tell you, look, if he, if he's if he's below six foot, he's not going to have as much power as a guy that's five foot six. Like you need, there's more than X's and O's and there's more than stats and bios and percentages that describe a player. Like, 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 I, like I, I saw a Phillies game this year. And when I tell you Dave Kepler had so many, like, weird shifts, like, when I used to play baseball, it's like, all right, this guy likes to pull the ball a lot, so we're going to shift this way. But now we're seeing, like, mid-shifts, like, some people are lined up in the middle, like, half-middle. I'm like, what the heck is this? I would like to see this shift done away with. <laughs> um, and it's mostly because I think the shift is a brilliant idea, but baseball players are so arrogant. Bump down the third base line. I know. It's not that hard. It is not that hard. You made a career hitting. Why can't you bunt down the damn third base line? Like Mark Deshera used to go and try to hit into the shift all the time. That man could hit 500 if he damn bumped it down the third base line. <laughs> like, I can't tell you something that infuriates me more. And, like, oh, man, it sucks. But like, to your point about analytics, analytics are ruining baseball. Like, back in the day, I don't know about you, I used to collect baseball cards. And I used to learn all a lot about baseball through those statistics, the basics like average and on base percentage and runs, hits, home runs, ribbies. Like, now, I don't give a damn what his exit velo is. What the hell's a FIP? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I don't care. Like, I guess like, it's important velo. to know. And, like, yeah, like. Like, listen, it's important for the organizations to know, but like, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where you can't go back. 
It sucks. And I think that's like in the NBA, 28 points a game, 17 rebounds a game, five assists a game. Like, there's something where you can sit back and you can say and talk about stats. But in baseball, it's like, ooh, let me get out the calculator. Let me get the, uh, what the hell is the, um, uh, what's the thing they used to use in uh, math? It starts with an A. Um, oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. I, I can't. Oh, my God. It's going to come to me eventually. Yeah. But, like, what is this crap? Like, it sucks. <laughs> it really does, man. It takes the fun out of the game. You're right. Uh, I, listen, I, I'll always love baseball, but there is that little piece of me that, like, doesn't like it as much as I used to. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, they need to add a salary cap. And they can't do this stupid NBA salary cap. Oh, you could have two uh, max free agents, but if you're uh, you do the trade on a Thursday afternoon uh, when the sun's out, oh, uh, you could have a third. Like, yeah, the NBA salary cap is so freaking overcomplicated. <laughs> Just do the NHL salary cap. You have seventy nine million dollars. Go have fun. Like the baseball salaries, that's something that you're never gonna lose that battle because you know baseball attendance might have been down last year, but the the money they're making is going up still. Yeah, so. The financially, they're still going to be making the money they're making probably even more. But I'll say this, though. Um, they need a max they, – they need to cap out years on contracts because the reason that the Harper thing is going on, nobody wants to give anybody 10 years. So much could change in 10 years. Yeah, right. And then they, the players want to opt out after five years anyway. <laughs> so – and it's one of those things. It's going to be – I think there's not going to be baseball – that year. I, I really think the Lockhead's going to go all summer long because you're talking about a team, you know, you're talking about players and owners fighting over billions and billions of dollars. Like, it's like a big situation. So, I don't think we're going to have baseball. What is that, 2021? Something around there. I, yeah, I, I just know it's coming up. Yeah. So, but, but, I don't but, feel confident. But, yeah, in terms of Harper – I I will say though I I think he will be in a Phillies uniform though I, I'm a firm believer in that. It's just I think this was like a done deal for the past couple of months. Yeah, I know. it's it's just been so annoying. Like this whole process, it's like I want to know like the Eagles are out of the playoffs. Like I need something. I mean, I know the Flyers are on a winning streak, and I'll get and and I want to talk a little bit about the Flyers as well because like I have a bone to pick with them because they're very annoying. Like hmm. and and I and I and I and you'll probably like it because. I, I've been watching hockey this year, and I've been – obviously, like, the Flyers are one of the most boring teams. But, anyway, back to my point, like, like the Sixers had, like, their interesting road trip, but I'm just sitting there, like, I need the Phillies to make me – to give me a move or something. I need something to, like, just energize me and get me looking forward to the season. Like, I don't want it to be, like, we're about to start spring training and now Bryce Harper makes his decision. Like, nah, like, I want to know. Like, I want to, I want to know for, like, at least a couple of weeks so I can get hype about it. Like, when Jimmy Butler got traded, I was hyped for, like, the past, like, for, like, two, three weeks. I was hype about it. Like, I want to get hype about it. Yeah. And Harper, like, Harper's looking around, like, a million teams right now. Like, he's not going to the Padres. The Padres couldn't even get a minor league free agent. They're so bad. (laughs) Like, give me a break. It's like with the Sixers. Oh, yeah, we had a meeting with LeBron James. They didn't even meet with LeBron. Yeah. They met with his agent. Yeah. Like it's like the same thing going on now. It's so stupid. Just yeah. like just sign the damn contract. 
<laughs> like, please. I know. Put us out of our misery. But, yeah, all right, now, real quick, I want to talk about the Flyers real quick because I know you got to get going soon. But um, the Flyers are annoying because what, what I've realized with this core of players is, if, like, if they get on another 10-game win streak, like, this is, like, like they're, like, one of the – they're like one of the only few teams in NHL history to go to win 10 straight in a season and still not make the playoffs. Like what this win streak is telling me is, all right, this core wants to stay together, but like what needs to happen is this core needs to break up because what, what this core has shown you is like, they're good enough to get you to like a playoffs first round or playoffs second round, but they're not good enough to get you over the hump. They're not good enough to get you to the Stanley cup and get you to a Stanley Cup champion, like I'm, like the, like around here. I know around here in Philadelphia because I've been listening to a lot of sports talk radio about this. Literally every Monday, I, I when I drive to school, I listen to radio, and they when they talk about the Flyers, they always tell me like what I listen to the fans and stuff. They always say, they always talk about like when they won back to back in the '70s. But like you got to realize, like the '70s was like almost 50 years ago, like like 40, 50 years ago. Like it's time, it's time to like move on from that era. Like they. Like, this core of players, again, like, like they're good enough to get you to a certain point. And I'm talking about, the, like, the leaders, like Claude Giroux and all them. Like, they're good enough to get you to a point, but they're not good enough. Like, they're good enough. They're good enough in flashes. They show you what they can be in flashes, but they peak too early. Like, they go on a 10-game winning streak, but then they don't make the playoffs. Or they start out terrible, literally like the worst team in hockey. And now we're on a winning streak again, and now everyone's like, "Oh, like we're gonna make the playoffs, and we're gonna do this." Like, like, like what I'm observing from this winning streak, I'm just like, what they're doing here is they're showing us again, they're teasing us that this is a really good core of players. But in reality, we all know once the season's over, and if they do make the playoffs, it'll be a first round exit or possibly a second round exit, if that. Like that's all that like I've noticed with the Flyers, and that's why like. A lot of people in the city kind of just like out of the four teams right now, like they're like the fourth team. And, yeah. And I will say like the coaching change has done has done amazing. I know you talked about <laughs> how did he get rid of that coach and how and how like he made he made the like the Flyers boring. Like there was even talks on the radio about the Flyers changing their logo to just energize the fan base, something to to get the fan base going, like and believing in the hockey team. Well, gritty you but, thought would do that, yeah. But, uh, yeah but. And then they saw Dave Haxtell behind the bench for two and a half months, and were like, "Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> why I hate this team." Yeah, no, listen, man. As a Rangers fan, I love it. Yeah, I, I absolutely I know. love it. I know. Yeah, I, 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 I know you love it because, like, it's like we're the opposing team, but like, it's the truth, though. It, like, this winning streak is just telling me, like, it, I don't know why it's getting all these fans hyped. Like, I'll say like, this. So, as most of you know, well, probably none of you know, because who the hell knows. But anyway, I, I work for the Phantoms. I'm interning yeah. there. So, like, I've been around Scott Gordon, who's the new coach for the Flyers. I think he's done a really good job, and you can tell yes. the demeanor he has. He's got to get results from his guys. Carter Hart has exceeded every expectation yes, that I had yes, for him. That, yes, he has been amazing. Yeah, I you – know, being around him, I – I just didn't think he was ready. I, I thought he needed at least another year. He's a skinny kid, dude. He is a tiny little dude. Like he's like six foot, but he's he has to weigh like 
I think 170 at absolute most. Like, that kid mm-hmm. needs to put some weight on. Um, but he's played great. And this is why – so, I've read, rode a roller coaster with the Flyers for the past however many years. So, two years ago, I said that um, – two years ago, I said that um, the Flyers should just end it, you know, rebuild, whatever. Um, and then last year, they played the way they did. This year, I for, I expected them to win the division. I gave them the kiss of death, and I'm very happy I did so. So I gave them the kiss of death, and now they're starting to turn it around. But I think they could shake up the core. They need to train Wayne Simmons. They need to train yeah. Wayne Simmons. Uh, mostly because he's a UFA, I'm not giving him a big contract extension. Like, get something for him. Um, and then I think they can go out and they can get a you know, younger kind of uh, – you know top six-ish player. They have the assets to do so. I yeah, think the Flyers do. can make the playoffs because the Blue Jackets are going to trade Artemi Panarin, who's an upcoming free agent. So that's their best player. I don't think the Blue Jackets are making the playoffs. And then they might even trade Sergei Bobrovsky, their goalie, former Flyer. Um, so there's that. I think they're going to fall off. I think the Flyers, they're only seven points back. I think they're the Blue Jackets have a game or two in hand. I think the Flyers definitely could make the playoffs. I mean, we've seen this team be very streaky over the past five, ten years. Um, yeah. I think they could use a little something at the deadline. Um, whether they do that or not, we'll see what Chuck Fletcher decides to do. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I think, for me, I'm happy, but I'm hoping, against all hope, that the Flyers end up as a nine seed and miss the playoffs. That's, <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, but, anything uh, else you want to talk about or? Yeah, so um, real quick with the Sixers. Ah, man. Man, oh, man. They go, they beat Golden State. I was so happy. And then we lost to the Kings. Why can't we beat the Kings? Like, what? Like, after the pick swap trade, did Vladdy just, you know, grab Josh Harris by the balls and say, you guys aren't beating us? Yeah. So help me God. Like, what is Willie Cauley Stein? Really? Willie Cauley Stein? He looks like he's like Pikachu with those red cheeks. He has like those cuts above his cheeks. Like, what the hell? Like, get out of here. Um, they need to do something before Thursday's trade deadline. Um, they need a wing, especially with Wilson Chandler, who started to come back to life recently. He uh they need another wing. Um yeah, they, we do. We do. Yeah, they are thin right now. So that Prince guy on the uh, Hawks is a guy they're looking into. There's a rumor that they might trade Dwayne Dedman to us for Fultz. No, don't trade Fultz for Dwayne Dedman. Yes, don't, do not do like, that. Please, just please don't do that. Like, I, I, and how about Okafor, man? Okafor's a he's a bum. He's a bum. He can't defend. <laughs> I can now defend right. him. Like he sucks. I can score on Okafor if I wanted to. Like I know, I, I know. I'm just telling you. Like, like, like Okafor is doing twenty and ten. I'm happy for him. I'm not. I hope he. I hope he, his career blows up in his face. I hope he has a nice life, but a terrible NBA career. Um, <laughs> like he is a guy. He's in a offense, pun intended, centered around centers and big men. So of course he's going to step up and play well in Anthony Davis's absence. Like, we knew that Okafor could be a decent player. But the thing, offensively, but the thing that bothers me about Okafor is he needs to be the center of the offense yeah. for him to be effective. 
and that's why the Pelicans are losing. Yeah. He's a minus. He was a minus forty-four coming into the weekend over the last like, couple games. Like, get <laughs> out of here, Jahil Okafor, please. But on that same team, Miritich is a guy the Sixers are targeting. Yeah, I, I, like, the, I like. I like. I like. He is a. He's the perfect fit. He's like a rich man's Dario. Yes. He, could, he is like an upgraded Dario. So if you could do a fir- the first round pick this year and Fultz just to match salary, if you need to throw in Mike Muscala, I don't really want to, but you might have to make salaries match. Get Furkan's lazy ass out of here. Like, do that deal. Like, because Miritich makes this team, I think, the second best team in the Eastern Conference. Or at least they could fight for the second seed. They'll yeah, definitely yeah, be yeah. the third seed. They're better than the Celtics. And if the Celtics, if Danny Ainge was really as smart as everybody says he is, he would trade Kyrie Irving at the deadline. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you when it comes to the Sixers. Like, they, they come out here and they beat the Warriors in Golden State and they lose to Sacramento and take steps back. And it's like, it's like with this team, it's like when they finally give you a chance to, like, fully believe, like, all right, like, we, we're legit, like, top team in the east we lose then we take like a step back and we lose like now like 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 we're definitely a second round team like we're definitely going to get past the first round we know that as long as we don't play the nets we'll make it past the first yes oh man the king's in the freaking nets why can't we beat the two damn teams unbelievable i know it it is unbelievable and but i mean but i mean Again, like we showed, we showed everyone though that we can still win. Though, like we beat Golden State in Golden State. Yeah, they didn't have Clay Thompson, but Curry still went off for forty points. They still have two MVPs. Yeah, and they have Cousins and they have Kevin Durant. Like I don't want to hear that. Yeah, you got four All Stars. Excuse me if I don't feel bad about you not having the fifth. Yeah, yeah, like, 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 like I completely agree. Like, like that's what this team does. It was like the second that like. We think like, all right, like yeah, like we're a finals team. They end up losing to the Kings, or like they end up losing. Like I remember last year, we lost to the Suns at home, or even this year, we lost to Cleveland at home. Yeah, Cleveland. We got swept by the Kings last year too. Yeah, and the Kings were garbage last year. Zach Randolph went off. The Kings are pretty good this year, but we should we should have definitely won that game against them. And it shows you, for better or worse. How important Reddick is to this offense. They need to bring him back. They they yeah. absolutely need to. And you better hope that by year three of Landry Shamit's career, he could be JJ Reddick. You better hope yeah. again. I think he has the potential. He's definitely a better defender than Reddick. He has a little bit more athleticism than Reddick. Uh, and he's a much better ball handler and he can play point guard. So I think Shamit could develop to be a more versatile player than JJ Reddick. But right now, Reddick is a, a sharp shooter from three. You need that in the lineup. With as many yes. screen and rolls as we play, so yeah, and, and and then also like once Simmons develops a jump shot as well, like that'll put a lot of pressure, like le- a lot of le- less pressure on our sharpshooter. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears, man. Let me tell you, like we need Simmons to shoot. But I will say, but, Ben yeah, Simmons yeah, has yeah. played the best basketball of his NBA career, um, in the last Dude. however long. Yeah, yeah, he's really stepping up. Like he's really he's he's. He's taking a lot more fadeaways, and I like that. Like he's he's at least trying. Like, he's I'll give doing him. that, and he's posting up without the ball. Like he's playing off ball. I even like point guard Jimmy a little bit. Like yeah, like I'm great. Like that that core is great. But now you got to surround them with players that are NBA quality players that don't have yeah. a fatal flaw. 
it's like in Macbeth. If you read Macbeth in high school, the Shakespeare play, like everybody has a fatal flaw. That's literally the Sixers bench. You could either shoot and can't defend to save your life, or you can't shoot and you can defend to save your life. And nobody's elite at any of those things to warrant, you know, the other skill set being complete shit. So the Sixers definitely need some increased bench depth, or at least get a Miritich. Give up the first round pick and folks. And hell, I throw in a second round pick. It's a bit of an overpay, but you get that in your lineup, and hopefully you convince him, hey, man, like, stay here. We could use you. If you have a lineup of Ben, JJ, Jimmy, Miritich, and Embiid, tell me who's stopping that. Like, that's a great starting lineup. Then you have Wilson Chandler off the bench. Like, that Perfect. makes you so much deeper. Because in reality, what's your playoff rotation going to be? It's going to be that starting five. Probably TJ, probably Muscala, uh, Chandler, and then either Shamit or Bolden. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably not having a ten man rotation, so you got to increase. You got to get somebody who's one of the top ten players on your team, top nine players on your team. You're right, but but yeah, I mean. That's how I feel about the Sixers right now. I, I, I'm in agreement with you when it comes to that. We're just missing, like, that one piece. And I would definitely try and get uh, Miritich from the uh, Pelicans. It would be a great fit, man. There's also talks about Drew Holiday as well. Oh, oh I love Drew Holiday so much. I love Drew. If Drew was on a big market team in the last couple of years, he'd be a perennial all-star. That kid yeah. can ball. There was a report that I saw recently that they weren't going to try to trade him. But if, you know, he's on the table, he's on the contract for three more years. This is my question to you. And we could talk about this more next week. Um, yeah, yeah. As a hypothetical, because the deadline will have passed. Would you trade Drew Holiday for Jimmy Butler? Well, the reverse of that. But would you trade Jimmy Butler for Drew Holiday, knowing that Holiday's on the contract for three more years? I don't want to give Butler that, Max. I really don't. But I think we got, we have to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I wouldn't do it because I want to see Butler and Bede and Simmons play, get used to playing with one another. I feel like it's too soon, right now. And I mean, I get it. I know a lot of people are concerned. Will Butler resign? Because he's a very like ambitious and very like alpha alpha male mentality type of person. I'm not even worried about if he will resign. I'm just worried if his body's going to be able to hold up for the next five years. And and I think as Simmons and Embiid get better, like the less workload is going to be put on him. Yeah, but still, your cap is going to be tied up. Like that's going to cripple you. One hundred ninety million dollars. Like that's. It, like I'm fi- if Jimmy will accept a three year max, I'm very happy. But I don't I mean, think that, he's gonna. That, that'll probably that's probably what's going to happen. I think he's going to hold out. Somebody's going to give him that five year, one hundred ninety million dollar contract. I could see the Brooklyn Nets signing him. Yeah. Just saying. But anything else you want to talk about before we end it? Uh, that's pretty much it, man. That's pretty much. like it's, it's been good. Yeah. So we'll hopefully have a actual studio to work from and an actual schedule. This yeah, first couple week. weeks of the semester have been stupid busy. So yeah. we'll try to figure that out. But until next time, that's Josh Sanchez. I'm John Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Sports Source. All right, have a good one. Have a good one, John. All right, man, I'll talk to you later. All right, bro. All right, bye.